Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Listen, I want you to know something today that God's plan for you is that you would thrive in all of your relationships. Amen? Do you believe that? That was a poor amen. God's plan for you is that you would thrive in all of your relationships. All right, come on. It's, it's, it's February. It's Valentine's month. Come on. You got to show me some love up here. Good grief. Just kidding. It's all right. Guys, listen, I'm really excited about this series. Um, We're starting it today, and we've called it Thrive. Um, not, don't just survive, because so many of us are just surviving our relationships. If I could just get through one more family meal, one more Thanksgiving, one more Christmas, one more whatever it may be, and we're surviving, but God wants you to thrive. Say this word with me, thrive. And this means to be full of life. It means to be full of, full of uh, joy, full of substance, full of significance. This is what God wants for you. And so we're going to be taking over the next several weeks looking at our relationships, not just in the area of romance, though we will take some time to look at that. We're going to be looking at our, our, our work relationships, our friendships, our family relationships, our church relationships with one another. And I believe that God wants to do something in all of our lives that's going to allow us to take a step forward and be everything he's called us to be in our relationships. We're going to have fun. We're going to be challenged. We're going to laugh at ourselves. Hopefully we laugh at ourselves. We're going to be honest about kind of the quirky things we do because we're just broken human beings and we don't know why we do those things. But the reality is this, God's going to meet us. And so today we're going to kick off the series and I'm going to be talking to you about ingredients for a thriving relationship because God's desire, again, is for us to thrive. If I was to ask you, what area or what, what part of your life causes you the most stress, turmoil, frustration, anxiety, who, or fills your prayer life? What, what is it about that? What one area that causes you those difficulties in your life? All of us, probably all of us would say, well, relationships. Because you can have everything in the world. You can have the greatest house, you have the greatest car, you could be able to travel and go wherever you want to go. But if your relationships are out of whack, you are not enjoying life. Don't you agree? You're not enjoying them. There's something in you, there's a hole in the pit of your stomach that no matter what you try to fill it with, it just won't be filled because your relationships are out of whack. And so we daily face every day in our relationships, the opportunity to respond in two different ways. We can respond in our relationships, what's called through the flesh, in other words, anger, frustration, or we can respond through what is called wisdom or godly wisdom. So there's the acts of the flesh and our wisdom. In other words, when we respond, one, actually, when we respond out of our flesh, the Bible calls it foolishness. Everybody say that word with me foolishness. So when we respond out of a bad attitude, out of snippy and snarky and, and full of hot air and other things, what happens is we begin to walk in the pathway of foolishness. 
In other words, when we respond in a foolish way in our relationships, it doesn't help our relationship. Have you ever responded in a way, in, in, let's say in a discussion with a friendship or in your marriage, and afterwards you realize that didn't really help? All of us would say yes. So we do foolish things from time to time in our relationships, usually unintentionally. Sometimes we do them on purpose if we're really mad and we want to poke somebody. But this is what I know about our relationships. From friendships to work relationships to marriage, we would have fewer problems if we used more wisdom and less foolishness. Would you agree with that? We would have fewer problems. We'd get along better. We'd want to hang out more. We'd, we'd, uh, we'd join a small group if, uh, if we were okay and realized, you know what, we're going to use more wisdom in our relationships. So if we know how to respond wisely in our situations, in our relationships with one another, um, we know this, that our problems in life are going to be reduced. If, and it's statistically true, most of the stress in our lives comes from broken relationships. And so if there's a way, maybe God has a way, that no matter what the type of person it is that we are in connection with or in relationship with, whether friendship or in marriage, that God has provided a way that we can still succeed and thrive in relationships even though we are still broken and being made into the image of Jesus Christ. So we are all striving for peace. And good relationships that are, that are healthy can still have areas of foolishness in them. And so what happens is though we are striving for peace, we desire to be close, we desire to be intimate, what we do is that we treat people foolishly and what it does is it creates the very thing that we're desperately trying to avoid because we act foolishly. And so we're going to be looking at the Bible today on how do we walk out relationships in wisdom. And so we're starting this series looking at a passage out of the book of James, which is a, a wonderful book. If, you, if you've never read through the book, let me encourage you, get some time in the book of James. It'll transform your life. But it's amazing, though, if you look through most of the letters that are in the Bible, that are written to churches in different places, whether it's Roman or Ephesus or, or, or uh, Corinth or... Um, Colossae, whatever it is that they would write, there was a large portion of every one of those letters that is committed and dedicated to people getting along, to relationships. And it's, it's God writing through these men to the church how to have unity, how to have peace, how to get along, how to not be, how, 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 to, how to actually just, can we just all get along and have peace? And that's what God's desire is. And so we're going to be reading in James chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading this. And first I'm going to read through this uh, to verse 16, because this chapter, or this section, is broken up into two sections. The first one is kind of what you shouldn't be, and the second one is what we're going to be looking at today. How do we walk out and live and thrive in our relationships with wisdom in our lives? And so we'll start here. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. So again, you see here what James is talking about. There's wisdom from God and there's the acts of the flesh with this jealousy and anger and, and, and all kinds of stuff. 
Such things are earthly. They are unspiritual and they are demonic, which is such a strong word. You think, my gosh, demonic. Yes, he's saying they're demonic because they're destructive. For wherever there is jealousy, I, want, I just want, to, want you to look at this. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. I just want to, before we go on, I just want to look at that for a moment. I want you to think about your relationships today. As we kick the series off, and this is kind of the foundation, the intro of the whole series. But if you were to look at your relationship, and let me just ask you, do you have any areas of disorder in your relationships? Do you have areas of chaos? Are there areas of confusion? Are there things that are in your relationships that you would say, yeah, there is confusion there? And the Bible says this, whenever you find confusion or disharmony, wherever you find disorder, there is something active going on. It's called selfish ambition, pride. And I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I would say every one of us in this room, at some point along our journey, where we have an issue with pride and how we interact with one another. And so what this means is when you see this, this selfish ambition and when you see things that are out of order, it means that somebody is jockeying for position. Somebody is looking to be in charge and somebody is, is flaring their nostrils and puffing their chest to try to be something. And that's called ego. And so God wants us to help, to, wants us to thrive in our relationships, but you and I are going to have to take a step back and we're, we're going to have to say, all right, God, we want you to look at our lives. We want to be, be wise and we want to thrive. So whether it's in your office or it's at school, the Bible says wherever you find jealousy and selfish ambition, you're going to find disorder. You're going to find chaos. You're going to find every kind of evil work. In other words, these are open doors that the enemy could come into your home. The enemy could come in to your, to your life and he can begin to bring other evil works. And so, and so now James, the first half, he said, listen, this is what you don't want to be. And this is what you want to stay away from. And then he goes into what does a relationship look like that is thriving under wisdom. And so let's begin to read today. And this is where all of the, our points are going to come from. This is what James says. But the wisdom from above is, is first of all, pure. Everybody say pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So these verses, as we step into the series, they begin to teach us about relationships that you won't learn anywhere else. You won't get this from daytime talk shows. You won't get this from anywhere else. You will only get this truth from the Word of God because it's separate from what the w world has to offer you. Wisdom for us is a big deal. But a lot of people think that wisdom, and I want you to hear me for a second, that wisdom is having information, or wisdom is having an education, or being intelligent, or having the smarts, but it's not. That's not what wisdom is. Because there's, there's a lot of difference between knowledge and wisdom. Because I know a lot of really smart people who are total fools. Does anyone else know anybody like that? 
You can have all the knowledge in the world, but you don't have wisdom. That's why you can be smart and you can know all kinds of things. You can even quote scripture, but your relationships are out of whack. They're struggling. Because in order to have healthy, thriving relationships, the scripture says you need to apply wisdom in order to walk that out. It's because some of our relationships are broken down because we have knowledge, but we do not operate in wisdom. And wisdom always has to do with relationships. And it shows up in how we treat other people. You, I can tell if someone is wise by watching how they treat other people. It's, it's, not a, it's not about what I say with my mouth or the information I give. Wisdom in relationships is how I live my life and how I treat you. That's what wisdom is. In this passage, the Bible tells us of, this, of these ingredients. It's a, it's a recipe for thriving in relationships. And uh, I, I like to cook. Any other men in here like to cook? Raise your hand. Come on, look at that. Come on, give these men a hand. That's good, some good stuff. I love to cook. One, it's a stress reliever. And listen, if you didn't raise your hand, and uh, no, there's no judgment zone here. It's okay, it's all right. But I like to cook. I like to watch food, food channels and see if I can go and, and, and recreate it. I normally cannot, but I like to try anyway. And uh, my family enjoys it. My son and I do it together um, a lot. But what I realized is what makes a good meal when I try to cook it, it really has nothing to do with the type of pan I use or the stove I use or how nice the kitchen is or even my talent. What makes food really good is about the quality of ingredients. It's, it's, if, I, if I get a good cut of steak, if I get just the right type of potatoes, if I get the, just the right, if I make the right kind of roux to put a nice brown gravy on top of my steak, are you hungry yet? On top of my steak and potatoes. If, 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 if I, if, you know, it's, and it's about the quality. And so what James is beginning to do, he's beginning to lay out how do you have a relationship that is thriving? It first begins with having quality ingredients. And the first ingredients for wise, thriving relationships is, again, it, all out of verse 17 is this one. It's purity. Everybody say purity. This is, this is one of the main ingredients for having a thriving relationship. Scripture says this, wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. Wisdom in relationships means that you are seeking purity. You're seeking purity. So listen to me for a second. A relationship with purity is it doesn't allow for compromise. If you are pursuing purity, it doesn't allow for compromise to come in to your, to your home and to your work relationships. It, it does, doesn't allow. If you want to thrive in your relationships, we should have relationships that celebrate purity and resist compromise. Amen? This is the beginning of a good relationship. If you choose friendships or romances and people you open your, uh, your life up to and they don't celebrate purity, those relationships, they will ultimately destroy you and cause you pain and you will end up being unhealthy because purity is the foundation of every thriving relationship. I promise you it is. Pursuing purity in your life. Now, I, I, please, I want you to hear me, especially for you young people. Purity, seeking purity first in your life, it will protect you from disastrous relationships. 
Because the moment the person you're dating wants you to compromise your purity, you know, I'm out of here. This person is not for me. Because if they're wanting you to compromise your purity now, further down the road, they're going to still keep pressing that button that you would compromise your purity in other areas. And so if you pursue purity, it will protect you. And everyone, it, pursuing purity in your marriage will protect you from divorce. Pursuing purity in, in, your, in, in your life will protect you from regret. In your relationships, purity will protect you from pain. It'll, if you pursue purity, it's a protection. It's like a shield around your heart. It's a shield around your emotions. It's a shield around your body. It's a shield around your sexuality. It's a shield around your soul. This is the power of purity. Amen? And you must have purity if you want a thriving relationship. The second ingredient to a thriving relationship is to be peace-loving, which is kind of a strange saying here because when I first read that, I thought, what is peace-loving? It's, well, what does this mean? James says, as it comes to our relationships, make sure that we are peace-loving. Peace-loving people are not always looking for an argument. Peace-loving people are not always looking for a way to disagree. They don't feel like it's their, peace-loving people don't feel like their calling in life is to rattle your cage and try to point out what's wrong with your life. People who are not peace-loving, they have a chip on the shoulder. They're always looking for something to point out. If you want a thriving relationship, the Bible says we are to be peacemakers. It doesn't say that we're to be troublemakers. We're to be peacemakers. If you want a thriving relationship, and, and, we, and we want to be able to, to work and deal with people who maybe aren't, who aren't very healthy in their relationships, if we want a thriving relationship, we are to choose people who are peacemakers, not troublemakers, friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, impact team members, staff members. If, if you are not married and God's will is for you to be married, choose a spouse that is a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. If, if, if you're dating and, and someone is, they're always wanting to fight and argue about stuff, listen, time out, troublemaker. They're going to drive you crazy. If you get in a fight over, over where you go to dinner, when you get married, you're going to fight over crazy things. Unless God does a, a work in both of your lives. But James says that wisdom in relationships means that you're applying peace. You're pursuing peace. That's why he says in 317, in a relationship, it is also peace-loving. Wisdom in relationship is peace-loving. If you, and this is maybe for some of us who maybe would struggle with being a troublemaker. If you love a good argument and you get a kick out of it, you are not wise if you, if, you th if you just think, I just like to stir the pot, that's called foolishness. Wisdom in relationships is peace-loving. I've never heard someone come to me and say, you know, Jason, what, what we did that made our friendship stronger, our marriage stronger, our working relationship stronger, is we decided to fight more. And that, after we started arguing more, we just got so close together. I mean, it's, it's been amazing. Nobody has said that. Because foolish people love to fight. They love to fight. They love to argue. 
They love to poke. And that's not helpful. That's called foolishness. The Bible says wisdom, the opposite of, of, of fighting, arguing, the opposite of that is peace-loving. It's not trying to rattle someone's cage. It's helping to be peace-loving and kind to people. Peace-loving relationships don't look for ways to push each other's buttons. They look for ways to bring peace and love to the situations. That's why Proverbs 20 says this. It says, it is to one's honor to avoid strife. But every fool is quick to quarrel. Every fool is quick to quarrel. And this, this series is really to help us see that maybe we're not using wisdom in our relationships. And I just, let me just take a sidestep. Um, I, I just want to encourage you that if, if you feel like, well, you know, if you find that every conversation you have, there's a bit of a poke and there's a bit of a, a sharp edge and you're trying to prove and you're trying to say something without really saying it. Listen, we, that's not fun for you either. It's not fun for people. It's not fun for me. If, if I was to do that, it wouldn't be fun for you. God wants us to be set free from these strongholds in our lives that don't allow us to thrive in our relationships. And I believe arguing and fighting and being like, well, I just tell it the way it is. Listen, that's great, but it's not peace-loving. And God wants us to thrive in our relationships. And so this series hopefully is going to help us evaluate our own lives and say these are areas of my life that God, I want your wisdom. God, I need your wisdom. Lord, I, I, I don't want to be foolish anymore in my relationships. I want to be wise. And so we are going to have fun through it. We're going to laugh. Um, but we're also going to maybe come to Jesus a couple times as we walk through this. The third ingredient to wise, thriving relationships is gentleness at all times. Say at all times. Gentleness at all times. Again, this is straight from James chapter 3. But in Philippians it also says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. In other words, how you treat people, how you respond to people. Is it gentle? Is it kind? Or is it brash? Is it harsh? Does, is it direct? After people have a conversation with you, do they walk away feeling better or feeling worse? Wisdom in relationship is that there's a gentleness. It means you're considerate about people. It means when people respond to you and they might be rude and they might be brash and they might be quick, you don't, you don't respond back because you're going to apply wisdom. You're going to be gentle. And actually wisdom says this. Wisdom brings you from a place or maybe you're in an argument or you're, someone has treated you a way that, that was rude. And wisdom brings you above that. You, you rise above the situation and you look at it. And you're able to respond to it in a gentle way. Is that easy? No way. It's not easy. But wisdom, responding in gentleness, allows relationships to thrive. So then in those situations, we're able to rise above it. Instead of seeing what the person did, we begin to think, you know what? I wonder what's going on behind that person. I wonder why they're responding that way. Instead of in a marriage where you just, well, I'm saying this to you because you said this to me, and then I'm saying this to you because you said this to me. Wisdom says, time out. What's going on? Did something happen today? You're able to rise above it and see it from a different perspective. 
Because people are going to be rude to us. People are going to be mean to us. People are going to say things that they shouldn't say. But this is what a wise person does. A wise person makes this decision. Your bad behavior is not going to be the excuse for my bad behavior. This is what a wise person says. Is that I'm going to respond to you in a, in a gentle way, in a kind way, not because of who you are, you deserve it, but I'm going to respond to you because of who I am, because I'm going to be wise. This is what wisdom in relationships looks like. We're measured in how we respond to one another. Thriving relationships respond in grace. They, they, they are considerate. Thriving relationships are wise in their responses. And this is why we all need this series. Because I know in my own life, I don't respond well to people all the time. Is anyone here a batting a thousand at how you respond to people? I, no, you, you are not. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but we're to be gentle. And so I believe this is the journey God wants us to go on as a, as a church, for you as your family, that we can rise above foolishness. And this is also what, what this gentleness, what, what it helps us to do. It helps us realize that, yeah, people are hurting. And there's, this, there's this saying that's been around for a long time. Is this that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Unkind people are those who are crying out for your kindness. And when people are rude and unkind, they're screaming. I believe this. They are screaming to the world, I'm hurting, I'm in pain. And so if there's someone even in our own fellowship in our church family here that maybe they're, 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 they're rude and they're, and they're tough to be around, you know what they're telling you? I need you to be kind to me because I'm hurting. This is what wisdom says. It approaches things quite differently. And so we want to step into that. Number four, ingredients to wise, thriving relationships is this. You need to be willing to yield to others. You need to be willing to yield to others. Again, this is right out of verse 17. If you want your relationships to thrive and friendships and co-workers and colleagues and marriages and, and, and children and all kinds of things, this is very important. You need to be willing to yield to others. You know what this also means? You have to be willing to actually be open that you could actually be wrong. That you could be wrong. Come on, let's say that together. I could be wrong. Let's say that. I could be wrong. That's the first time some of you have ever said that. <laughs> I could be wrong. You're willing to yield to others. So how do you know if you, are, if, if you have this in your relationships? I really think it comes down to... Um, how well do you listen to other people? Are you shut off from other people's opinions and thoughts? I think that's one of the main ways you see this willingness to yield in others is, uh, is are you willing to listen to people? The wiser you are, the better listener you will be. And the more foolish you are, the less you're going to listen to other people. And you're going to be a know-it-all. Foolish people think of, of what they're going to say in a conversation while the other person is talking. So the other person is talking, the other person's, you know, pouring out their heart or sharing things, that, and they're, they're not hearing one thing. They're thinking about what they're going to say next. 
because they're unwilling to yield to any other opinions. Now listen, I can be guilty of this. I can be in conversations and, and, and there could be some disagreement and I just know, I just know I'm right and they're wrong. I just know it. So while they're talking, I'm thinking about how am I going to prove them that I'm, that I'm right? How am I going to prove with what I'm, I'm going to articulate? I know they're saying something that sounds like the Charlie Brown teacher, wah, 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 because I'm thinking about what I'm going to tell them. How many know that's not healthy? How many know that's not good for a marriage? That's just not going to work out. It's going to be tough. And so if we are willing to yield to other people, it means you're open that you could be wrong or you can compromise. If you're willing to yield, it means you can compromise on things that are about your preferences. But most of the time we confuse, please hear me on this, we confuse our preferences with unmovable principles. Why? Because it's our preference. And because it's my preference, because we've always done it this way. Yes, but it's a preference. Willing to yield to others means, yeah, you're able to recognize it's a preference. It's not an unmovable principle. And so what happens is we were, when we're unwilling to move, think about this, we fight and we get bent out of shape on things that aren't even worth fighting over. They're just preferences. If you're willing to yield to others, this means you're reasonable and you can talk through things. This is wisdom in thriving relationships. But in order to talk through things, again, you got to be open that you could be wrong. you got to be open that maybe your, your direction of thinking could be flawed. you got to be open to that. Real good relationships can talk through things and are willing to yield to others. It's tough to hear because we, we might come to the place, you know what? I realize it's just a preference. For me, man, I've, I've spent like, you know, have my life believing that's an unmovable principle, but actually after I, I talk to you, I realize actually it's just a preference. And that takes humility. It's kind of like the story I heard of a new pastor. He took over a church. And uh, the first Sunday he was preaching, man, he, he gave it his best. And he just preached, preached the lights out, he thought. And he said, listen, I want you guys to be honest. Please tell me, give me any suggestions about my message. And, and so, which, which you notice pastors don't do that very often because they know what's coming. But anyway, this guy did it. So after the message, he was talking to one of the men of the church. And, and he walks up to the pastor and he says, okay, just give me your honest suggestions. And the guy said, honestly, pastor, your sermon was horrible. It was just terrible. He was like, okay. So the pastor tried to take a step back. He said, okay, I want to be reasonable. Um, what exactly was terrible about it? And the guy said this, well, really there's three things that were terrible, terrible about it. First, you read your sermon, you didn't make eye contact and it just felt like you were reading the book. Second, you read it poorly. So it wasn't very good. And third, it wasn't worth reading in the first place. And so then another guy came up to the pastor and said, hey, listen, I, I appreciate you wanting some feedback, but don't listen to a word that, uh, that old Jim says. He just repeats what everyone else says, so it's okay. <laughs> Wise people can learn from anybody. And every criticism, and this is true, and every pound of criticism, there might be an ounce of truth. Wise people are able to sift information and discern, you know what? 
There might be some truth in there. Someone, someone tried to criticize you to, to take you down, but a, but a wise person rises above it and says, actually, I can learn something here and make adjustments. 90, 99% of it's gone, but this 1% I can actually grow on because I'm wise. Proverbs 18.15 says this, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. The fifth ingredient to thriving relationships is number five. They are full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. Somewhere along the way, especially in church culture, we've picked up this idea that Christian relationships should be full of judgment and long pointy fingers pointing everything out in each other's lives that isn't right. Just so you know, that is not a biblical, good, thriving relationship. That's not what the scripture says. It says that we are to be full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. In my relationships, if they're, they're, they're going to thrive, they're going to need to be full of mercy. In other words, it's wise to show grace when someone messes up. It's wisdom. It's not a weakness. Grace and mercy is called wisdom and a strength. It's wise to show grace when someone blows it. When someone sins, when someone falls, when they have faults, when they fail. It's wise to show mercy. That's what the scripture says. It's wise to give people the benefit of the doubt. Instead of thinking of all the suspicious thing, this happens all the time in churches. Before anyone ever has a, has a conversation with someone, they think of the worst. They create a suspicious idea about what really could be happening. Here's, here's what a wise person does. They believe the best. They believe the best until it's proven otherwise. Wise people get the benefit of the doubt. Wise people show grace. They show mercy. They, they cut people some slack. They give people a break. Listen, all of everything we have in our life is a gift from God. It is, it is full. It is his mercy. Everything we have in our lives, we don't deserve it. But he gives it to us anyway. Everything. Listen, you wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't from the mercy of God. You wouldn't be breathing today if it wasn't for the mercy of God. I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't from the mercy of God. It is only by his mercy that any of us are alive today because we deserve death. But God showed us mercy and didn't kill us. And then not only did he give us mercy, he didn't give us what we deserved. He gave us grace where then he gave us more than we could ever deserve. This is his grace. God doesn't give me what I deserve. He gives me what I need. If I got what I deserved, we would all be in trouble. If you got what you deserved, you would be in trouble. But God doesn't give you what you deserve. He gives you what you need. And you know what you need? You need God's mercy. You need God's grace. And the Bible says that is wisdom when you offer that mercy and grace to someone else. That's wisdom. If you do that in your relationships, they're going to be thriving. They're going to be, they're going to be growing. They're going to be healthy. You're going to, you're going to begin to, to be close to people. You're going to begin to enjoy people again. I'm sure there are some of us who are, we struggle maybe with relationships our whole lives. 
And what God wants you to do, he wants you to apply this wisdom because he wants you to enjoy the relationships that he's placed around you. He wants you to enjoy relationships in our small groups. I'm just, I'm so proud of us. We had over 700 people sign up for small groups last week. Isn't that awesome? I mean, give yourselves a hand. It's incredible. 700 people who are willing to build a relationship with somebody else, who are willing to hang out, who are willing to study the Bible together, who are willing to offer mercy. Once you understand that God wants you to thrive in relationships, and if you aren't, he's got some wisdom keys that you can apply to your life that can help you walk in what all of us desire, and that is thriving relationships. Wise people give people what they need, not what they deserve. First Peter 4.8 says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes it feels like, it feels like, yes, but you know, but my job is to make sure that, that I uncover all the sins. No, 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 no. Love covers. Love gives grace. Love shows mercy. Love rises above and, and doesn't respond harshly, but gently so that, so that someone can continue on their journey with God. We're all at different places on our journey. The point is, is we're all moving forward. The fifth ingredient to a thriving, healthy relationship is that we don't show favoritism and we always are sincere. This simply means we just are to be real. I'm to be honest with you. I'm to be true. The best word is this, we are to be authentic. We can just be real. I think all of us are, st- we are starving, starving for authentic relationships. We're starving for them. We're so sick of the fake game. We're so sick of the mask. We're so sick of the, the trying to be what we're, what we're not. We are exhausted. Wisdom says, don't put the mask on. Wisdom says be sincere. If you want to be thriving in your relationships, just be real. Just just be open. Most of us are struggling in our relationships because we feel the pressure to put on the face, to do it right. And we're afraid if we mess up or we're afraid if we take the mask away, then somebody will see who, who we really are, then they'll reject us. And so we just put the mask back on. Listen, wisdom says be real, be truthful with your life, about your pain, about your feelings. A thriving relationship culture says, listen, we're not going to fake it. A thriving relationship says we're not going to pretend. We're not going to try to be somebody we're not. We're going to be real. I'm not, I, I won't lie to you. I won't trick you. I won't pull the wool over your eyes. I won't take advantage of you. I won't deliberately mislead you. I'm going to be real. And we're going to apply wisdom in our relationships. And this is the beginning, I believe, of what God wants to do in many of our lives through this series. He wants us to enjoy relationships again. He wants us to thrive in our relationships. I I really believe that that, that little, I, I didn't say it first service, but I believe that's from the Holy Spirit to someone here. Maybe it's to many of us. That God wants you to enjoy relationships again. You've lost the joy of them. You've, you, you've been crushed. You've been hurt. And you're responding. And, and, and because of the pain, there's, 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 there's struggle. There's jealousy. There's every type of evil 
working in your life. And the Lord says, come on, rise above. It's time that we apply wisdom and we become healthy in our relationships again. Amen. Amen. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.